Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Derek Morris. And I'm Anthony Kent. And wow, we're delighted to welcome you to today's program. Derek, I know our guest is Pastor Sean Boonstra. Tell us about the program. Well, it, it is something that, that I know I will learn a lot. Uh, evan effective evangelistic visitation. When I started visiting people, I really didn't know what I was doing. And so it was kind of a trial and error, crash and burn technique. Mm -hmm. We can learn so much today from listening to Sean. Exactly. He's highly skilled, isn't he? And a rich experience and a fun guy as well. Makes learning fun. Yeah. So whether you're a pastor of a church or a lay leader in your local congregation, God wants you to be a powerful Christian leader and to learn how to do effective evangelistic visitation could really enhance your ministry and bless the lives of those around you. So stay tuned for more Ministry in Motion. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, effective evangelistic visitation. Our guest, Sean Boonstra. Sean, great to have you back with us. It is really good to be here. I always learn so much uh, when I listen to you talk about evangelism and effective evangelistic methods. And maybe for some folks who don't know you, just tell us a little bit about your passion for reaching people who don't know Jesus. Where did it come from? Well, it came from uh, converting to Christ myself, from giving my heart to Christ. It, it's when you discover how great Jesus is, how good it is to be a part of his church, um, that you've got to share it. I don't know how you bottle that up. How do you keep that to yourself? And I faced a real challenge because I am by nature a bit of an introvert. Nobody believes that, but it's absolutely <laughs> the truth. And I had to learn um, over the course of years ways that I could with who I am, share the gospel with people and ask them into a, a relationship with Christ. And I've got to tell you, once you see somebody uh, give their heart to Christ and you realize that had so little to do with me and everything to do with the fact that Jesus is working in their heart and I'm just here to watch him win them. Um, when you see it happen once, now there's an expression, I don't know if it's a good expression, they say it's like a tiger tasting human blood for the first time. You're going to have to shoot the tiger because it's all they want from then on in. And when I see somebody give their heart to Christ, I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. I want to spend my life watching that. Well, you know, I remember an early experience in ministry when I went to visit some people who'd been attending some meetings. And I, no one had trained me in effective evangelistic visitation, so I needed to watch this program. <laughs> and, and I went and I remember somehow inviting them and they said, mm, I don't think so. And I had no idea what I'd done wrong or right. what to do differently. So I'm thankful that in this program we can be very practical and you're speaking from years of experience. So let's start with how did you learn to be an effective evangelistic visitor? Did someone mentor you? Did you learn by trial and error? What was the I'd process say, for you? I'd say it's yes, but I'd also say I would dare say that I've learned it yet. Um, anyone who says, boy, I really understand this, and I have this subject all sealed up, and uh, I've become an authority on it, I doubt if they've really been doing it, because mm. I still don't feel like an authority on it. I've done it for thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in people's homes, but because the gospel's so big, and God's mind and heart are so big, and people are so different, 
every home is a learning experience. However, over the years, there are things you pick up and you learn about how it is that God works with people. And how? Well, lots of trial and error. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked to leave a home. You know, it's just like, <laughs> they do it nicely, but you, you clearly didn't get anywhere. Um, in the beginning, uh, the man who hired me as a pastor did something very wise. He sent me out with five evangelists and said, just shadow them and learn and follow them into the homes. Just don't listen to them preach because it's not preaching. I mean, preaching wins people, but without personal relationships and visitation, the preaching is largely ineffective. So I shadowed people and I sat and I watched and I sat and I watched and you pick some of it up by osmosis, um, but there was an awful lot of trial and error. <laughs> An awful lot of, you know, I'll never forget the visits I blew, Derek. I'll, I'll never forget them. I still remember those faces when I knew, and, and their names, if I knew I'd blown it. I didn't do it uh, well. But by God's grace, this is something he invites us to enjoy learning with him. But, you know, that's a, that's a great starting place is to find some people. You, I think you shadowed five different yeah. evangelists. major evangelists. So I went out of my way to fly to where they were and spend a month and a half with them just going to homes. Mm. So you learn from them, and that's part of what we're doing on Ministry in Motion, is we're not calling you in as the person who knows everything. Oh, no. But, but you have some experience. You've learned both from good mentors and also from your own experience. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's start by asking, you said, be sure to ask about the Sir Galahad syndrome. Oh, yeah. This, so what's this is that something, all about? This is something I picked up long before I was even a Christian. My background was in politics. And being an introvert, I had no idea how I was going to run for office, but I was going to do it somehow. And I would go to training events. And I'll never forget, and this is the world of politics, it's not the church. But I'll never forget an instructor saying, if you've got the Sir Galahad syndrome, lose it right now. And we wondered, well, what in the world is the Sir Galahad syndrome? And he said this, and this is relevant for Christians. He said, Sir Galahad was a knight of the round table. And the attitude is, because I am right and just and true and noble and a knight of the round table, I will always win. He said, in the world of politics, if you've got that attitude, you may as well leave now because mm. you've got to get, and this is, this, is, this is it, you've got to get into people's homes and win their hearts. And so often Christians, because we know the Bible's the truth, we know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we know that, um, that we stand on solid ground truth-wise and we're right, that all we really have to do is open the doors of the church and won't they just pour in? Every, every believer needs to be an evangelistic visitor. Jesus was. He preached, but he's always interacting with people. Mm. You've got to drop the Sir Galahad syndrome and get into the homes and get to know the people. You've got to get your hands dirty. Okay, so we're going to forget just sitting around and assuming people will, be, will come because we're right. Right. And we're going to get into the homes. Now, I'm thinking about my past experience when I first was getting started. It would be helpful for me to know a few things I when I get to that home. I know. So uh, let's, let's talk about that. Some, wh what are some basic components of effective sure. evangelistic visitation? I mean, I'm, I'm knocking on the door. Before I even say a word, perhaps, there's something I should have known to do. Yeah. You know, I, I always break my visits into several visits. I always assume you're not going to conquer the world in one visit. You don't build relationships in one visit. You don't find your spouse on one date. And so typically, unless, you know, the miraculous happens, I break my visits into several or many visits, often coupled with preaching or a Bible class or something like that, and then I go to the homes. And one of the first things uh, um, that I do is remember that most communication is visual. So if I knock on your door, 
the first thing I do is step back three steps. I turn sideways and I look away from your house. And I maintain that posture. I'll even step down two steps because I'm six foot and 195 pounds. <laughs> I'll step down two steps and look away. And when you answer the door, it'll almost be like I was caught off guard. It's a bit of a, you know, I know you're going to answer the door, but I'll, oh, hey, you're home. I'm trying to remove the threat out of that visit. If I fill your door frame and bang on your door like the Gestapo, uh, you've already communicated the wrong message. This man wants something and I don't want to give it to him. So the first thing is body language. Smile. Uh, remove every barrier, everything that could be imposing, I remove it. I step away, first comment out of my mouth is, oh, you've got a beautiful yard. And, or find something that, that you can break the ice with. You want to um, break the ice and establish friendship before you get down to business, even at the door with your body language. So people may be a little anxious. You've not been there before. This yeah. is your first visit. You're doing everything you can to help them to, to relax and what do you do? Do you invite yourself in? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is, uh, typically, I, um, I come unannounced. And I know in today's day and age, people say, how can you do that? How can you just show up unannounced? It's so rude. And uh, for me and my personality type, I'm by no means recommending this as a blanket approach. Um, I still don't uh, call ahead. Because if I call you on the telephone and say, hey, Derek, I'd like to come over at 2 o'clock, you might say yes. Your wife is likely to say no way because she's looking around, looking at the house and thinking, oh, we've got to get ready for this. And, and it's so much easier for me to knock on. When I'm standing on your doorstep, it's so hard to say no to me. And if it, you smile, I, I, I'll tell you how to diffuse the situation if it's not welcome. But if you smile, you get away with murder. So uh, <laughs> at least we know when we go to the door. <laughs> Don't overwhelm people. Don't fill up the door with your presence. Be ready to greet them. We'll discover what to do next when we come back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, effective evangelistic visitation. Our guest, Sean Boonstra. Sean, I've learned so much already. Talking about body language, uh, non-threatening posture, I guess you'd say, yeah. smiling. Um, but then you said there's some questions that, that you need to or yeah. settle you right wanna, there at the You want to put their mind at ease. And, um, you know, I often, I, I'll visit again and again and again, as, uh, as we've discussed. I'll, I'll go to a home over and over and over again. When you date, you don't, you don't ask for um, someone's hand in marriage on the first date. You don't ask for a decision the first time you meet somebody, unless it's one of those special moments like Philip and the Ethiopian treasurer, right? Right. And those do happen. But as a rule, we build a relationship, and you want to be non-threatening. You want to remove all the threat and make this as easy and comfortable as possible. So I might knock on the door, and typically I actually come unannounced, which in today's day and age, people are horrified. You still come unannounced? Yeah, actually, I, I, I do. Um, sometimes in passing, if they're coming to a Bible class, I'll say, hey, one of these days we need to catch up. If I'm ever in your neighborhood, I'll drop by and remove some of the surprise. But typically, I drop by. If you phone somebody for an appointment and they say, no way, uh, then your visit's over. Mm -hmm. And typically, um, a lot of people say, oh, my house isn't ready, and they'll put it off and put it off. So I'll just drop by. But in that case, there's some surprise and some anxiety when suddenly you're at the door. Right. So just in case they don't recognize me, I'll have something in my hand. Because it's amazing. If you're standing at the front of a Bible class, you look a lot different than you do on someone's doorstep, and it'll take them a second to connect the dots. So let's say your Bible class has a, a Bible that they use or a poster that advertises it. Have it in your hand. 
just something there that brands you and they go, oh yeah, that's who it is. Now, they want to know what in the world you want. So in the first sentence after I ring the bell or knock on the door, I tell them the three things everybody wants to know when someone's at their door. Who are you? What do you want? And how long until you go away? <laughs> that's what they want to know. So I might say that to you. Derek, oh, hey, I'm just in the neighborhood and just want to drop by. So many people have been so nice coming to the meetings. I just want to thank everybody in person. It didn't seem like enough to do it from the front. And uh, anyway, can't come in. I got to go. Um, but just thank you for coming. That's it. That's less that, than 30 seconds. I was going to say less than 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. I can't come in as magic to everybody's ears. I can't come in. They might insist that you come in and then maybe you'll go in, but still I would keep it to five minutes or less, especially in the first time. The idea is this, you want it to be as easy and comfortable and non-threatening as possible so that later down the road when it comes time to ask serious questions, their guard is already down. They already perceive you as a friend who wants nothing but their good. Um, so there's no high pressure. As a matter of fact, the more pressure you put on people, the, the fewer results you get. So I'll say those things. Hey, hey, uh, it's Sean from the Bible class you've been coming to. I just want to drop by in person. I'm so thankful you've been able to come. Didn't seem like enough to ask everybody, to thank everybody from the front. And I was in the neighborhood anyway. Anyway, can't come in. I got to run, but thank you so much for coming. And I'm on my way. But then when I walk down the steps and you're about to close the door, I, I call it pulling a Columbo. If you remember Columbo, he'd end the interview and then ask one more question on his way out the door. And I always do that. I stop and say, oh, Derek, just out of curiosity, how did you hear about this class? Or how did you hear about the meetings? How did you hear about my church? And I pause. That's non-threatening, you'll tell me. And it will help me evaluate um, what your interest level might be. That's really why I've come by. Are you a looky-loo, just curious? Is this just something else to add to your list of life experiences? Or are you looking for something? That's what I'm trying to determine in this first visit. And so I'll say, hey, uh, Derek, uh, just out of curiosity, how did you hear about it? Oh, well, I saw an ad in the newspaper. Oh, great. I hope it's been everything you hoped. I hope it was a real blessing to you. And I pause and I look at them. I just pause and I wait for a response. That response is going to tell me if they're there and something's happening. Oh, it's everything I've always hoped for. Eh, it's okay. Eh, it's okay tells me, okay, he's not ready for a deep spiritual discussion. It, when you say, oh, it's everything I've always hoped for, oh, this person I need to get back to soon and discuss deeper spiritual matters. But that's it. I'm gone. It's the first visit. It's over. We'll see you tomorrow night at the class. So you've not read any scripture. You've not prayed a prayer. I might. You know, if they're really spiritual and indicate so, I might pray on that visit at the end saying, oh, let me have a little prayer for you, just a blessing for your home, and then I'm gone. But And that, and that means that the next time that they see you, they're not oh, here he comes again, this is going to be a long ordeal, I'm going to feel interrogated. Yeah, exactly. It's about building that relationship, because I am going to come back. <laughs> I am. And people say, well, this sounds like sales techniques. Well, there's some overlap with it. Human nature is the same whether somebody's buying a vacuum cleaner or examining the gospel on some levels. Um, in the way that they indicate interest and so on. We don't want to cheapen any of this because this is a God thing. But there are ways that we can diffuse the, um, the tension, because I am going to come back. I am going to come back. And you back. know, if, if secular business people learn principles that will help effective communication, why not those who've got the greatest treasure of all? Uh, they spend millions learning those things because they know the value. They know the value of two things, a list of names and the skills needed to communicate with those names. They'll spend millions on that, but Christians sometimes don't. Well, after we come back uh, after the break, we, we want to talk about that next visit. 
Um, what are some non-threatening questions you could ask? How do you pray with a person for the first time? Very practical insights from an experienced evangelist that could help you to be an effective evangelistic visitor. I know this will not only bless your ministry, but as you share what you learn here on Ministry in Motion, you can bless the lives of those around you. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, effective evangelistic visitation. Our guest, Sean Boonstra. Sean, we've been learning some important principles here. We've, we've made that first visit not wanting to overwhelm people, but you said, I need to come back. What do I need to do on that second or maybe third visit? Yeah. Well, first of all, if I've said, hey, I'll see you at the meeting tomorrow night, I'm going to watch for you at that meeting. I will welcome you at the door like my long-lost friend. And I don't mean that insincerely. I really ask the Lord, teach me to love every one of these people, and He always does. And you made that connection with them at uh, yeah. the door in that first yeah. visit. Yeah, and I say, hey, Derek, oh, great to see you again. And I grab your arm, and I do um, what I call the, it's more of a warm handshake. I like to just grab the arm just for half a second with the other hand and welcome them right in. And then I go back again. And now let's say that Bill has been coming to my Bible class several weeks, and I can see on his face that he's coming under conviction. We've already broken the ice. We've become friends. We talk every time he's there, and I can see that he's under conviction. It's time to go back to Bill's house. I might make an appointment this time because we've become fast friends after breaking the ice. Right. Um, and I drop by Bill's house. Bill, one of these days we should just talk about this. And I drop by Bill's house, knock on the door. This time I don't have to give him the three things he wants to know because he knows why I'm there. He's been under conviction, we've become good friends, and I get inside the home. And here's the, the thing that needs to happen. So often Christians are combative when they get into the home. We get our backs up. In this day and age and culture, we feel beaten down by the culture, we feel defensive, and we overreact to objections, we overreact to people's responses, and we don't need to do that in the home. We want to be as non-threatening as possible. So let's say I know Bill's under conviction. He's heard the gospel presentation. He knows he's a sinner. He knows he needs to give his heart to Christ. And I'll ask him three questions. They're diagnostic and they're non-threatening. The non-threatening question is your very best friend. First question, was this subject new to you? Have you ever heard this before? Bill, you know, yesterday we talked about in the, in the class about how you can't deal with your own sin problem. And I know that touched your heart. I, you and I have become such good friends. And we saw that only through the blood of Christ can we find the, the, the forgiveness that we crave so much and God offers it freely. Had you ever heard anything like that before? I'd never heard anything I could answer. Yeah, you could say, I never Brand heard anything new. like that. Okay, great. We know we're going to have to slow down and make sure the biblical part of it's clear. But Bill could say, you know what? My grandmother used to say that all the time. And wow, I know we're Bill. In a different place. We're in a different place. It will help you assess how fast you can move with Bill on, on that. Have you ever heard that before? It's either yes or no. It's okay. non-threatening. Okay. Next, Bill, as we looked at that yesterday from the Gospels, was that clear to you from the Bible? So first question, was it new? Second question, was it clear? Was that clear to you from the Bible as we studied it? Pause. It was either clear or it wasn't. He right. can raise his questions at that point. Well, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, how does God accept somebody like me, Sean? I said, isn't that the beauty of it? While we were yet sinners, Bill, he died for us. And, and I'm not in the kingdom because I was great. I'm in the kingdom because I was rotten and he loved me anyway. And you're not nearly as rotten as me, Bill, and he loves you and you need to be part of this family. Was it clear to you? Does that make sense to you from the Bible? Pause. Third question, Bill, have you given some thought 
to what this means for you? Or have you, just the way you accent the sentence, mm. have you personally given this some thought? Mm. And Bill has. I guarantee if he's under conviction, he's given it some thought. And you pause. Bill might say, yeah, you know, I need to give my heart to Christ. Or he might say, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then it's time for a gospel presentation again. Go through it again. What would you say to God if, if he were to ask you right now, why should I let you in? Bill, and he says, well, I, I don't have anything to offer. I don't know what I'd say to him. That's exactly right, Bill. You, you, most ministers know a basic gospel presentation. That's the moment it comes in. And then there's one more question. And we've asked, is it new? Is it clear to you from the Bible? Mm-hmm. The Bible's more powerful than my arguments. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, have you given this some thought yourself? Then silence is the most important thing you can use. It, I mean, I so often when somebody's struggling and they don't, I want to jump in and keep talking if it's quiet. I struggle with that to this day. But let God bring them under conviction. It's his Bible study. He, he was there in their lives long before you ever showed up. Right. After we've gone through those steps, I might say this. You know what? Bill, it's so obvious to me that God's doing something special in your life. Can you think of any good reason you shouldn't just give your heart to Christ right now? Mm. The reason that's a powerful question is there's no such thing as a good reason not to follow Jesus. Ask that question and be silent and see what God does with it. Is there any good reason you shouldn't give your heart to Christ right now? I feel like we need to have another meeting. I know. To talk about effective evangelistic visitation. Have you learned some principles on the program today that have been helpful for you? Well, I I just pray that you'd go back and watch it again. Ministryinmotion.tv And when you go there, we've got a special gift for you. I've got it here on the desk. If you're a pastor of a church and you do not receive this international journal for pastors called Ministry, you may be eligible for a complimentary subscription. So go to our website, send us an email with some information about your church, what you do in ministry. I hope you'll watch some of the programs again, including this one on effective evangelistic visitation. There's other resources at the website that could be a great help to you. But we just want to help you, whether you're a full-time pastor or a lay leader, to be the great Christian leader that God is calling you to be. Just know that we'll be praying for you. May God bless you in your service for Him.